the normal practice that I have is to work on my sermon beginning on Tuesday. And so this past week, I had started on Tuesday. I'd worked with the passage, studied the passage, you know, researched the passage on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday morning. I got up and during my prayer time, God impressed upon me that that wasn't what he wanted me to preach on this Sunday. So what you've got in your bulletin is not the sermon for today. It may be sometime later. But what we've got for today is God of the new. And I would just like to uh, use as the passage of Scripture this morning, Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. And that's uh, the Scripture I read, part one of the Scriptures I read from the, when we were having the baptismal service. So if you take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 6, we'll look at verses 3 and 4. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We may live a new life. Now, when someone is baptized, we are reminded that they have a new life. And the Scriptures, you know, remind us that God is the God of the new. Take it, it's a long time. Well, we'll try, there we go, finally moved, all right. <laughs> we can live a new life. And that new life means that according to this verse, we don't have to go on sinning anymore. Well, that's what Paul is talking about here. If you look up at verse 1, he says, Shall we go on sinning so that grace be increased? By no means. We died to sin. So when you see that person who is baptized put down under the water, one of the things they're saying is, I've died to sin and to the sin principle in my life and living, trying to find my meaning in doing things God doesn't say to do. So we die to sin. So we don't have to live in that anymore. And we are not going to die eternally. But instead we have everlasting life. We, we, we begin that life when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and it goes on forever and ever and ever. We get to live eternally, eternal life. We don't have to just live for the things of this world. This world's passing away. We live for the things of eternity. Then we are a new creation. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. God gives us a new life. He gives us a, a new focus in life. If, if you look at the verses surrounding that uh, verse 17 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you see that God spells out some of the things that it means to have a new life. It, it means, first of all, that we don't just live for self. We live for Jesus. We live for the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And it means that we have a new focus in life. And that focus is redemption. Now that we've been redeemed, we have become ministers of reconciliation to try to bring others to Christ as well. 
So, so we have, are a new creation, and we want other people to have that opportunity as well. And we have a new resource. God has become our Heavenly Father. So that we have a Father to watch over us, to protect us, to provide for us. Jesus has become our shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd who laid down his life for us so that we might have eternal life. And he's going to watch over us. And he's going to protect us. And, and he's the good shepherd that's going to lead us. Sometimes by the streams of living water. Sometimes where we can have some rest. Always in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And he's the shepherd that goes with us no matter what we face, whether we're on the mountaintop or down in the valley. Our shepherd is with us. And we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us so that we have the very power of God within, so that we can share the good news, so that we can be encouraged, so that we can have the discernment that we need to live a life that's pleasing in the sight, <coughs> excuse me, in the sight of God. So we get to live a new life. God likes new things. You ever thought about that? God likes new things. God is always doing something new. Yeah, read through the whole scripture and you'll see that God is always doing something that people hadn't thought about. Like bringing the Israelites out of slavery in the land of Egypt with all of those miracles, the signs that were performed then. God does something new like letting a little shepherd boy kill a giant. He does something new like Sending his son into the world. Who would have thought that the king of heaven would allow his son to come and live among us and to die on a cross for us? God is doing always something new because they put Jesus to death, but God raised him from the dead, made him alive forevermore, something brand new. And something brand new God does every time someone becomes a, a child of God. That person has the opportunity to become part of God's family. God is always doing something new. He likes new things and he's doing something new. You ever stop to think that God likes new music? The psalmist said, sing to the Lord a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. Celebration kind of music. New music. Something that's just been created. That people write to praise God. The psalmist also said, he has put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. What happens? Many will see and hear and put their trust in the Lord. You ever thought about worshiping with a new song? Helps bring other people to know the Lord? That's what the scripture says. Isn't that an amazing statement? Some of the fastest growing churches in the country are contemporary churches. They're always singing new music. Somehow God uses that to bring people to the Lord. Four more times the psalm, psalms refer to a new song to use to praise God. Revelation 5.19 talks about a new song that's going to be in heaven. And in Revelation 14, then you have a, a mention of a new song in heaven again. Evidently, God likes new music. Some of you are friends. What's better? You don't. <laughs> you might have to catch up with God. God does new things. Isaiah said, or God said through Isaiah, see, I'm doing a new thing. 
Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Keep your eyes open. God is the God who is working. God is the God who is doing new things. Things we hadn't anticipated. Things we haven't thought of. But He's God. He can think of things we can't think of. He does new things. You know what? You know what we like new things? Usually new things are exciting. You know. Don't you women like buying new shoes? Yeah, I know you do. (laughs) I've been married a while. I know how that new shoe thing goes. (laughs) You guys like new cars? A new tool? Well, it's exciting to get something new. God does new things. God does exciting things. Things we hadn't anticipated. God makes a new covenant with us. You know, there was once an old covenant. The old covenant was, all right, people, here are my commandments, here are my laws. You keep them. You keep every last one of them. You keep them perfectly, and then everything will be all right between me and you. And you know what? Didn't work, did it? We can't keep them. So God made a new covenant. Back in Old Testament times, He declared that through Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Fantastic new covenant. God will remember our sins no more. He'll forgive our wickedness and He will allow us to know Him. No longer, get this, no longer is it practicing religion, following rules and regulations and rites and services. That's not what it's about. It's about knowing God. They will all know me. And that's what we have the privilege of coming to do. Knowing God in a personal relationship, walking with Him day by day. Ah, what a neat new thing. And in the process, God gives us a new heart. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. We don't do it because we're trying to work so hard in our own human strength to please God. We just let God fill us, recreate us, make us new, give us a new heart, fill us with His Spirit. And then we begin to live lives that are pleasing in His sight. He gives us a brand new heart. Jesus reminds us that you use new containers for new things that he's pouring into our lives. He said, 
No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people put new wine into old wine skins. If they do, the skins will burst, and the wine will run out, and the wine skins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins, and both are preserved. What's God saying to us? Periodically, He changes the forms. Periodically, He changes the containers. He's got something new to do. And the old way just might not be what fits what He wants to do now. Jesus said He was doing something new. You know, the scribes and Pharisees had a terrible time with Jesus because He did something new and said, I, you know, I'm bringing you a new revelation from God. Jesus has given us a new commandment as well. He said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. A new commandment, love, caring for, being concerned about, helping, being involved with, serving together, loving one another. We love God because we know God. We get to know one another in the church. And we love each other. Now Jesus made possible this new covenant that Jeremiah spoke about hundreds of years before through his sacrifice. At the Last Supper, Jesus said, in the same way after the supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Through the sacrifice of Jesus, we can enter into that new covenant that is knowing God, living for God, letting God do new things in our life and in our midst, and loving one another. The new covenant, but all made possible by Jesus at His resurrection. Then God is going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Simon Peter said, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And also in Revelation 21, John wrote, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. God's making a new heaven and a new earth. God is going to make everything new. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God makes everything new. God is already in the process of making us new. When we begin to open our lives to Jesus, when we let Jesus come into our life and be our Lord and Savior, He begins working on us, recreating us, making us new.
Well, the Scripture said we're a new creation, living us to live a new life. And again, that's excitement. It's not the same old, same old, day after day after day. It is a new life. What did Jeremiah write in Lamentations? God's mercies are new every morning. Oh, every day is a new day with God when we belong to Him and have Jesus as our Lord and Savior. God is making things new. What does the Scripture say? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live what? A new life. This week, there was a new prince born. I'm sure if you've had anything on, you've heard about that new prince. You know, it was a whole lot of anticipation, speculation. You know, we had to wait two or three days to find out what his name was. William and Kate finally decided what they were going to name him. And his name is going to be George Alexander Lewis. And he's going to be called George. And he will be known as Prince George of Cambridge. Now, stop and think a minute. Can you imagine the kind of provision that's going to be made for him? The kind of resources that are going to be at his disposal? The kind of training that he's going to receive? The education that he's going to receive? The attention that's going to be lavished upon him? It's quite amazing, isn't it? Think of this. Recently, five new princes and four new princesses have been born into the family of Holland Avenue Baptist Church. We baptized seven of them this morning. Now, we're their family. We are their royal family. Preacher, what do you mean, royal family? God is king. He's your father. You're a child of the king. You belong to a royal family. And we've just had some additions to our royal family. Now, what kind of treatment are they going to get? As their family, we must provide some things for them. Now, what must we provide? Well, if you've got a new baby, you've got to provide a suitable house. We've got a new church family. We've got to make sure the church building stays like it should be, maintained, kept in order, a place to come and worship, a place to come and learn, a place to come and grow. If you've got a baby, you've got to provide food, and we've got to provide spiritual food for these new family members. What is it? The Word of God. There's got to be people to preach it. There's got to be people to teach it. There's got to be people to interpret it. We've got to provide them with spiritual food. What, what happens if a child isn't fed? They get malnourished. A lot of malnourished Christians because they haven't been fed the Word of God. We need to make sure ours have a healthy diet. And then they need training and education in the Christian life. No, they, they're going to need teachers. They're going to need leaders. They're going to need volunteers to work, you know, in every age group of the church and from every age group of the church. It's going to take us working together. And they're going to need an example. No, 
one of the ways that you learn how to be a Christian is not so much what you're taught, but what you are, are, can catch. It's not what's taught, it's what's caught. And they watch you. They watch you as leaders. They watch you as teachers. They watch you as church members. You know, they're learning, okay, what does it mean to live out this Christian life? What kind of example do you set for them? If they grow up to be just like you, will that be pleasing in God's sight? We're setting an example. The church does this. Now their earthly family should be doing these things as well. You know, it, it takes an earthly family and a church family to really help nurture a new prince or princess in the things of the faith. There's a couple of other things that we should set as goals for ourselves and for them to bring them up to maturity in the faith. To maturity in the faith. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15 says, then we will no longer be infants. Unfortunately, some still are infants. They might have been in the church for years. They may still be infants. Therefore, then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. In other words, they're gullible. You know, you're gullible if you're still an infant in the faith. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. We are trying to grow as the people of God to maturity and help all of these who come to the faith grow to maturity as well. And we've got another goal, to lead them to become disciples who will make disciples. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, in the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable people who will be qualified to teach others. Paul said it to Timothy. Timothy is to say it to others who can go and say it to others. That's how the faith gets spread. That's how people grow in the faith, is one trains another who trains another who trains another. God, the God we serve, is the God of the new. New music, new actions that we had anticipated, a new covenant. That means we can have a relationship with God and know Him through it. A new command, love one another. We anticipate a new heaven and a new earth. New believers and new church family members. God is doing so many new things among us. Do you perceive it? Do you want to be a part of it? God is the God of the new. And maybe you would like to say this morning, as a member of Holland Avenue Baptist Church, I would like to rededicate myself to doing all that I can to helping these new believers and other believers reach maturity of the faith and bring glory to God. Maybe you've come to understand, maybe through watching the baptism, maybe through hearing the scripture, maybe in some other way, that to have a relationship with God, to know God, you've got to come to Him through Jesus. 
And Jesus died on the cross to make that possible for you. And so today you would say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Let me know you. You will know me. Help us to establish that relationship, that new relationship that will begin now and stretch for all eternity. The new gift of eternal life. Brand new for you if you receive Jesus as Savior. Or perhaps you would like to put your membership here at Holland Avenue and be able to help us as a church family to receive you and give you a church family here and to let you become a part of it and help us carry out the task that belong to us as the people of God. God is speaking to you. Let me back up. Let's not say if. God's speaking to us because He's the God of the new and He may have a new message for you this morning. Listen and respond because if it's something new from God, it's going to be something good. Respond as we sing our invitation hymn.